Welcome to the Ralph Moore Podcast. Gain the leadership advantage as Ralph pulls wisdom from his bag of over 50 years experience in planting and leading multiplying churches. Our goal is to help you live as a leader you'd want to follow. You'll learn about making disciples and planting churches, but beyond that, you'll gain practical wisdom about subjects like how to manage your team, handling difficult people, pulling a congregation off a growth plateau, and even money management. Hey, welcome to the podcast. Today is part two of my interview with Zach Holt, who's the table campus pastor of Woodland Hills Christian Church in Bristol, Virginia. Uh, Zach is starting microchurches in places that most of us will never go unless we learn from Zach. Hope you enjoy this. Tell us now, take us to the to the ministry and, and what it looks like. Uh, you know, there, there's got to be other people who would be listening to this who are frustrated. They're frustrated because what you're doing isn't happening where they live. They, they see need. Uh, we see we see homelessness, we see addiction, we see all these things going on around us, and uh, and and sometimes our churches. And, and I want to be careful how I say this. I, I think I think anything. I think what you're doing there there it, there has to be form. You know, form follows function. So once once the function gets going, there has to be form. But then so often the form overtakes. And then we find ourselves limited because we've kind of institutionalized what started out to be really spirit-led, spirit-driven. So there's there's got to be people who are listening to this who are, who are going, man, this is what we need, but we're we're stuck. We don't know how to get from here to there. What would you say to a person like that? And then and then in answering that question, talk a little bit about what it you know, give us some of the parameters. What what do things look like? Where are the tentacles? Where are you, you know, where are you central and where are you decentral? And where are you reaching into the spaces where other people live? And how are you doing that? Sure. Um, so when when we when we first uh, when we first started meeting and gathering, and there were just there were just three of us, and and the recovery center hadn't been opened yet, and we grew to maybe ten. Um, meeting in the cafeteria of a rehab uh, before it even opened and they opened and COVID hit and when COVID hit um, because it was a closed institution they they were concerned about COVID exposure so uh, we had to move to uh, a local park Um, and we kind of hopped around a couple of different places and and, but what COVID did for us um, another one of my mentors calls it uh, blowing the dandelion it's the it's the scattering the apostolic scattering the outward movement that we see in the book of Acts with the early Jesus movement. Um, and COVID forced us to, to lean into that, in that, that innate DNA of decentralization um, that I think we see in, in, the, in the book of Acts. And so what happened is uh, we didn't lose our ministry at the recovery center as men started to come there, but we also began to expose ourselves in different settings. Um, one of our guiding principles uh, within our culture is that we strive um, to find places where the gospel is not rooted that it needs to be. And then we simply go to those places. So uh, we, when we are planting a new, uh, a new microchurch or we're starting a new recovery group um, or uh, we're doing a, a discovery Bible study, 
uh, any of those kinds of things, um, we, we typically search in, in third spaces. So uh, we go to, uh, for example, a, a chief probation officer over a, over a given office. And we say, hey, look, you know, we, we have this, this ministry and, and we would like to uh, like to come and speak to you about what God is doing and, and how we might offer recovery services, a recovery group for your, for your folks that are on probation. Um, or we'll go uh, to, uh, to a homeless shelter and we'll say, hey, look, this is, this is what we're really passionate about and we think we have a lot to offer. You know, would you be open to us coming in on Tuesday nights? Uh, we'll bring a dessert at the tail end of their supper. And, and so we'll serve them dessert and we'll fellowship and uh, we'll get into the word a little bit. Um, and, and so I don't want to make it sound, it, but, but it is for us uh, simple and, and it's not there. There's just enough structure to let the good things run wild. So we are not overly inundated with, with complex moving parts. Um, there, there's really not, not a lot to it that when we uh, collectively uh, pray and, and a door opens at another space, another facility, um, uh, you know, then we, we lean into that and we take a very simple expression of the gospel um, in, in its most basic form. And we empower people who are part of the table, part of the ministry. Um, now, the, the structure that I would say that we, that we do have, the table itself is, is a gathering on Sunday night. And I would compare that to, to a hub. Uh, on a wheel. Um, so the table is, is our centralized expression on Sunday nights. We do uh, a feeding at 530. Uh, and then at six o'clock, we have uh, a super basic. I mean, you're talking like a, an acoustic guitar in a cajon. Uh, and we are in a boys and girls club right next to a section eight housing project in, in the city of Bristol. So we have uh, kids from the neighborhood that will walk down and we'll be hanging out on the monkey bars, playing freeze tag and hide and seek and, and eating. And, you know, of course, we're, we're deeply invested in the homeless community in the city of Bristol. So we have folks that will come and, and you know, join us for a meal that we have met through uh, our ministry at the Salvation Army and street outreach that we've done. Uh, we get into the uh, after we, we eat and we sing a couple of worship songs. Uh, I will speak for just a you know twenty minutes or something like that, just to set some context. And the fourth Sunday, I have somebody different speaking. Uh, so so we're trying to move towards I'm only speaking half the time, and that we have a team of of individuals who uh, guys that are and women that that are are stepping up and sharing some of that responsibility to give them uh, more opportunities to to present. And um, and then what's another thing is that's unique about our the gathering itself is that we have what we call table time. Uh, you know, there, there are certain kinds of conversations that you'll have on the front porch, and then there are certain conversations you'll have at the kitchen table, mm -hmm. right? And those, those conversations to me are conversations of, of intimacy and authenticity where you, you know, we can all think of probably a time in our life where we sat down at the kitchen table at three o'clock in the morning with a dear friend um, and, and did the deep work, uh, you know, and that's, that's what the table is set up for. Uh, we have a team of guys that contribute to the small group questions, um, but we sit in that and, and in, uh, it's just this beautiful space where everybody has a voice and, and everybody has an opportunity to contribute, no matter their background, no matter if they're believers or not. We want you to belong even before you believe. And, and we truly strive for that attribute of our culture that people that don't follow Jesus. Yeah, we, we still have something to talk about. You know, we're still going to love you. and We're still going to make you feel like family. Uh, and then we take uh, after our table time, we, we take communion every every Sunday night. Um, and Ralph, I got to say that is 
my favorite part, uh, because when when you see the assembly of God's people, this beautiful rainbow uh, of, of colors and socioeconomic classes, uh, guys covered with tattoos that are just weeping as they're rever- as they're revering the Lord's Supper and just holding the bread in their hand and, and just weeping over the goodness and the grace of God. He says, uh, those who have been forgiven little love little, but those who have been forgiven much love much. Uh, and in those moments of just power, uh, man, things change and, and guys have experiences and women have experiences. You know, we have story after story after story of people that we have met while they were living in their cars and, and connecting them with housing resources, uh, helping them to, to get to know Jesus on a, you know, not just, you know, getting them to church, but more than that, introducing them to the author and finisher of our faith and reminding them that Jesus has written a beautiful love story over our life. And that when we simply lean into the story and we allow Jesus to take it, uh, man, we just, we, we see things happen all, all around us. And my heart breaks. Um, I have some other friends that are, that are in ministry and they just, they're, they're not seeing, uh, they're not seeing transformation. They're not seeing life change. And I feel so fortunate uh, most of the time, sometimes ministry is pretty hard with this group of folks, uh, but but mo- most of the time, uh, I am incredibly grateful that, you know, I talk a, a lot with the guys about that my favorite artwork is a mosaic. And, and the reason why that's my favorite artwork is because in order for a mosaic to be beautiful, it must first be smashed. It, it's taking the broken pieces of our past and it's creating something new and radically different um, and breathtakingly beautiful that invites people into a relationship. They see the gospel on display in our lives uh, that was once a a heap of ashes and rubble and how Jesus has repurposed all those broken pieces of our past to produce something that is beautiful and fruitful and can lead others to the cross. Um, And so we uh, are really excited uh, about, about what God is doing. And, you know, I will share the the last tentacle, I guess, of that to use that, language is, is one of the issues that we have is men that uh, and as a chaplain with the recovery center, one of the problems that we experienced was that these men uh, would, they would come to know Jesus. Their insurance would only pay for about two months, three months tops. And so, so we would pack it in, uh, get them to know Jesus, bring them to the water, start teaching them to live in obedience and submission. But no longer did we get that process start that their insurance ends And many of them were having to go back to very undesirable living situations back home. So that felt uh, inadequate. It felt like that we should be able to do more. Um, So I started a a program called 117, which is at its core, a leadership pipeline for the table. And it's a year long residential program uh, taken after Mark 117. Come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Uh, And so over the the year long process, we've got uh, right about eight guys living there now, um, in whom all of, all of whom uh, I see the potential to plant some expression, some micro expression, some something uh, for the gospel in a new space. And so that's kind of the goal from the onset. And honestly, you, you gave me that idea when, when I met you in Seattle and you said, Zach, what if you treated each one of these men as a potential church planner? Um, and that radically changed uh, my perspective. And, and so that's the mark. That's what we're striving for. And so I think the way that we do that over the course of a year is, is a lot of personal investment. Uh, I've got some coursework that we've designed 
um, that is divided into two semesters, shaping and sending. So for the first six months, the men are being taught to practice the spiritual disciplines of, of prayer and fasting and how to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, how to distinguish that from the noise of the world, uh, how to be students of the word, um, how to be men of prayer, how to uh, begin telling their God stories um, so that when they step into the shaping, or excuse me, the sending season, um, that, that is, that's the scattering. That's when they are expected uh, to begin the process of, of planting a new group. Um, and so, you know, a lot of that, we're, we're just in uh, month six, I think. Uh, so we just have our first couple of guys uh, that are now going to be moving into that sending. So would very much appreciate anybody's prayers uh, over all of that. Um, but, but man, Ralph, I'm just, I'm tickled to death with, with what Jesus has not just, not just done in my life, um, but the doors that he has opened um, and, and the beauty that I get to witness on a regular basis. Um, so I appreciate you giving me space to, to tell the story. Oh, thank you. I, I, I want to push this just a little bit further because as I, as, as I'm hearing you talk, uh, this you're, you're interesting to me in the way that we're even just doing this podcast, because a lot of times uh, people are kind of, you know, we get started and we talk and then we talk a little more and then there's another question and we talk a little more. Uh, you you're going for it man and i'm loving it i really am loving it but what i'm hearing here there and everything this is why i asked you the question about did anybody disciple you when you were young i hear relationship i hear table talk i hear something that i sense right or wrong is missing from what we are calling church you know i was in a church a couple of weeks ago in an african-american community and we all sat around tables. And, you know, I, I found out that you, you can put about as many people in a room just a little shy, sitting at little tables of, that would hold like four people, as you can in rows. Because rows, you got to have leg space and get up and walk space, all that. Um, so these people are already, because they're sitting at tables, it, it just changed the whole everything. And the table that I was at, there, there's a lady who had been a crack at it most of her life. And basically, she was loved into the family. And Amen. she she kind of, I, I don't think anybody appointed her the leader, but she was definitely the leader at our table. I mean, she just, you know, we, we were there and, and she kind of stepped in and loved on us and began to, to, to love us as a host and uh, the, the simplicity was one thing, but the, the relational aspects touched me. And as I'm hearing you talk, mm -hmm. I'm thinking so often, so many of the things that you're describing, others are, are attempting, but there, but it's, there's a sterility to it and mm -hmm. you're, you're fruitful. Uh, respond to that. Am I, am I barking up the wrong tree or, I mean, just, you know, respond. Yeah. I think that part, part of it, is the, the, the nature of the individuals that, that are attracted to our presentation of the gospel. Uh, you know, uh, Tim Keller makes a, it's more of an ouch than, than an amen, but, but Tim Keller says that um, the, the gospel of Jesus attracted uh, sinners and tax collectors, and that if we look around our churches and we don't see those people groups represented, we have to ask ourselves the question, are we proclaiming the same gospel? Wow. Um, and so, so, uh, ouch, right. <laughs> and, and so there, there's something, there's something in the right, um, communication and proclamation to the God of the gospel that, that makes space, uh, for people who, 
Um, you know, not just, you know, and sinners is a, is a broad term in the New Testament, as I'm sure you know, but a sinner could be someone that was blind, someone that was crippled, someone that was lame. Um, and of course, you know, the adulterous woman and, and the many others, you know, so it's a, a spectrum of people who feel outside the margins. And the gospel makes space for those individuals to come inside and find koinonia, to find fellowship and family and in relationship is the word. Um, and, and so um, I wonder, and, and again, I'm, I'm new to ministry. I, I'm kind of learning as I go, and I've only been doing this a couple of years. But, um, but, but I wonder if, if it's not possible that, um, that we all have the capacity, we all have the, the, the Holy Spirit who equips us with the gift of hospitality. Um, that it's not more of a, it's not a question of, of can we do it, but it's, it's, do we want to do it? Do we want to create systems and, and vehicles um, for those who are far from God to find family within uh, the people of God? Um, and so again, I, I'm, I'm very passionate about uh, our strategy of, of planting the gospel in third spaces in going. Um, so rather than, anticipating. And I think culturally, uh, we, we are past the day when, when folks wander into the churches uh, yeah. in need of, of soul care. Yeah. Um, so if uh, I do a little fishing, I'm not that great. And I'm not that great at it because I don't really know where to fish. But I know that Jesus tells us that if we follow him, we'll be fishers for men. And I think that it, the mark of a good fisherman is he knows where to throw the lure, right? Uh, and he, he, knows where to, he knows where to put the boat and he knows where to fish. Um, and if, if we're fishing in, in a population in a pool that has been fished and fished and fished and fished and fished, <laughs> there's no, there's no fish left to be had. So right. we need to take our boats and cast our nets somewhere else. Um, and so I think thinking creatively, thinking outside the box about, okay, where, uh, where do people, where do people go? Where do people congregate? Uh, you know, places like jails, uh, mental hospitals, assist living facilities. I mean, the list goes on and on and, and something about those spaces where people, uh, one of my mentors tell, says that, you know, people uh, become disciplable when they are undergoing seasons of pain and transition. Mm -hmm. So we creatively ask ourselves the question, okay, uh, who is going through pain and transition and where might we find them? Uh, and then, and then that's, that's what we pray about and that's what we lean into. Uh, and that's when we make phone calls and say, Hey, look, this is our mission. This is what we're trying to do. And, uh, we would love to plant an expression of the gospel at your facility or, or at, you know, wherever it may be. Um, but, but something in that, you know, people, uh, and I'm sure you've heard the quote before that, uh, people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And one of the ways that we demonstrate that we care is to be different to allow the power of the gospel and the outward movement, the thrust of the Holy spirit to guide us to where people are not expecting that, you know, we're going to hand them a flyer and that they're going to come to a service at sure, our church sure. on our turf. And then they're going to be radically redeemed and transformed. No, we, we can do better than that. Uh, we can meet them in the midst of their space and their brokenness on their terms and share with them the power and the beauty of the gospel. And when we do that faithfully, things happen. And it's, it's just that beautifully simple. It's uh, anyway, so I don't know if that's what you're looking for. Uh, yeah, yeah, this, is, this has been wonderful. I just want to say thank you for, <laughs> for um, doing this, taking the time to do this. I know you're terribly busy. I've been on your website and speaking of your website, um, as we wind this thing down is, are there ways, you know, there's gotta be people who are listening to this who are going, I'd like to know more. Um, you know, he's, he's got me all upset now. 
because of, of what I'm not seeing and what he is seeing. I, I want to hear more. How, how would somebody make connection with you? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I'm on uh, I'm on Facebook, Zach, Zach Holt, Z-A-C-H-O-L-T. Uh, and I'm on on Facebook. I'm in Bristol, Virginia. Um, uh, emailing is is great. Uh, you can reach me at the table 117 Bristol at gmail.com. Uh, and I would I would welcome any conversations and, and anything in the world I can do uh, to help out. And, and actually, we, we haven't quite yet. I'm not sure if you found the right, but we haven't quite yet got a, a round to it building a website. Um, so people ask a, people ask a lot about uh, about that. And honestly, it, it hasn't been uh, something that I've been super concerned about just yet. We've we've really just tried to prioritize uh, making disciples and uh, and then. Um, we figure we'll get to, we'll get to some of the other stuff down the road, but, um, so but I, right I now, did, I did find a website that describes your ministry and it's at something called ministry resources dot Milligan dot edu. Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, that's through, we are trying to start uh, somewhat of a, of a residency program, uh, and so Milligan is uh, is a, a local Christian school um, that is kind of connecting us with with some folks who are maybe interested in, in getting into the ministry. Um, and so they do have they do have a snapshot of our information up. So if you want to pass that link along in, in the information or something like that. Sure. That, that's great. Yeah. And how I found it, just in case somebody is listening, is I just looked up Zach Holt, the table, Bristol. And it all came together for me. So very good. <laughs> well, good. I just want to say thanks for taking the time to do this. This has been really fun. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you asking and, um, you know, just trying, walking through the doors, Ralph. And, and I'm very grateful for, for your ministry and, and how you've just motivated me and inspired me to uh, what you guys have done at Hope Chapel is, is like, man, I, I just, I want to see that movement. And so you're just uh, an inspiration. I appreciate you very much, more than you know. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. God bless. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and check his blog at ralphmoore.net.